cloud. And one. check in the chat. I just dropped a uh, a document in there for you guys if you'd like to take a look at it. It's an NSFW document, or yeah, it is not safe for work, Matt. But Matt, your <laughs> laptop barely works the way it is. The, the doc, the MS Word document that's 143 kilobytes, that one, that uh, I know that that might look like a document that says practical accuracy on it, but actually it's pornographical materials for you, Matt. But, kilobytes yeah, or is it point, gigawatts? I'm definitely not going to open both of those and Skype at the same time, so don't yeah. worry. You said <laughs> you'll <kilo> lose me. <laughs> but it's my bad. It's not kilowatts. It's not. No, it's gigawatts. 1.21 gigawatts to be precise. It is. Anyway, welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. We're here to talk about shooting. You guys know the deal. Everybody comes here with a topic, except for in a day like today when... Uh, I need a topic. So. You don't really, though, because the questions are good. I hope they're really good. Questions are, they're, <laughs> you're going to like them. I can promise you that. So that's either a, like you're trolling me or it's actually good. No, no, no. I don't know you which one. You are going yet. to like them. I can <laughs> promise you. No. I'm like sitting on the edge of my stool. Am yeah. I going to like them also? Not at all. You will be quiet during that conversation, Joel. Oh, perfect. I <laughs> that love them already. Me, I that love tells me already. everything I need to know. <laughs> yeah. You will be sitting there uncomfortably trying to move the conversation along. I will be dug in, fucking lobbing bombs at whoever I feel like. And it's going to be beautiful. Kim, that's your cue to not engage. Just sit there, smile, <laughs> and nod. I am ready. Yes. Yeah. All right. I am ready, too. So, <laughs> Mr. Kim... I'm sure you have a fun topic. Let's start off with yours. Yes. Yes. I think uh, th this is going to be a good topic for especially people who are in the uh, winter region where you're not training as much. So I, after Nationals, I recently watched a TV show on Netflix. It's called The Quinn's Gambit. Uh, it's it's what, what was the recommendation on like the trend? So I just clicked out of not knowing anything. But then it's actually a uh, lady dominating the chess game uh basically it's like how she grew up into a good chess player and it, it shows the process of her life as well and then there's things like she visualizing her moves in chess things like that can definitely uh, help like motivate people to you know start visualizing more and like strategizing more but more for personal level uh, more things that was uh, interesting to me was actually the strategy part behind chess. Like I do not really know. I I know which horse goes where kind of thing, but I didn't know there was like a names for strategies, mm -hmm. and they actually have all the moves calculated out kind of thing. So uh, that was something very interesting to me because I had a little bit of strategy issue uh, in at nationals past couple of years. So I was trying to find what's the best way to actually come up with my strategy. And that, that show actually gave me a lot of brainstorm about yeah, high-level chess players. And there's some correlation to uh, us, practical shooters, uh, in terms of like the mental level, especially, and the preparation level, a lot of stuff like that. So I think people should watch The Queen's Gambit. And another video I would recommend along with that is uh, recently... Uh, the YouTube channel, uh, Practical Shooting Explained, I think it was on that and Mason's channel too. Uh, Mason did like a hundred, I forgot the title. Finding, is it Finding 100, finding, I think? Yes, Finding 100. Mm -hmm. He did a video I just, on that. Like, hold on, can I interject mm -hmm. here? 
Yes, yes. Mesa didn't do shit. I set up the cameras and recorded that and edited that and gave it to him because I'm such a nice guy. That's mm -hmm. what happened. Who does yes. the talking in the video, Ben? Mason did, but that part was easy, uh -huh. believe me. <laughs> All right, okay. anyway. Hold on. I want to, like, have, has everybody seen this Queen Gambit show on this? No, negative. No, I, I haven't not. seen it. So, to, <laughs> is it as gay as it sounds? It's I'm not sorry. It's a true story from what I could tell. Uh, and she literally takes a handful of tranquilizer pills to be able to visualize the chest moves. What? <laughs> I'm not recommending that part. No. What? <laughs> Wait, this sounds lame. This sounds awesome now. It's yes. a good movie. And her preparation is literally getting high on tranquilizers the night before and what? getting drunk. She's doing and over shit. And oversleeping <laughs> and showing up late to the chess match. Well, that's only one sin. That's Most fun, of the yeah. other well-prepared ones, she keeps visualizing overnight. She's Russian. Or no. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she takes a handful of tranquilizers to do that. I'm not recommending that part. <laughs> I like how you ask if you've seen it. We're like, nah, bro. And then you tell us all the cool stuff that goes down. Uh, there's, it's actually kind of cool. It's so worth it. It's only like a seven-part hour-long series, dude. It's not that bad. Yes. Okay. It's one of seven episodes, Watching not too long. Saturday or something. One yeah, day. I finished it in one day, actually. So did I. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's going to give people some uh, motivation and inspiration and perhaps new things to work on. That's what I, I had. So those well, commonalities, uh, visualization, dedication, common mm -hmm. among many sports. Yep. Dude, I talked to one of our vendor who plays pool, like the billiards. Uh, not professionally, but he's like, a, a, I suppose, or a big fish in our city. And uh, there's a lot of, like, carryover between billiards, even in shooting. Just preparation, strategy, you know, like, I think autocross, like the racing, there's a lot of carryover. So, yeah, I agree with your point. So there's a correlation between some, some sort of activity-based thing that takes some... Basically, visualization and preparation and dedication across many different types of activities. Matt, it's a wonder you don't have a topic. You've got so much to say, sir. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't wait. Like, the spicy topics, I cannot wait. <laughs> All right, let's get to the boring stuff, then. Thank you for, for that, Mr. Kim, if you're finished. Joel, you want to talk about this book project that we've been cooking up? Indeed, I do. Why uh, are you excited? Because you're always excited about well, I mean, I should tell you, I'm excited. I think this is the most, like, the, the, the most, uh, I don't know the right adjective. I mean, I would say, like, proud, but I wouldn't, I'm not really proud. Mostly, like, revolutionary, groundbreaking. I'm pleased with what, like, this format and style, like, this, like, this is the next step forward, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, this will be getting everything reorganized for the next probably five years, I think. Just one little sauce to add is I, I didn't read I didn't get to read the whole thing, but just a preview one section. I was the first thing was uh, this should have been out when I first started shooting. Then I would have been in a better, much better place. Oh. It was really systematic. I really loved it. Well, this is actually as a jumping off point, Mr. Kim. What did you look mm -hmm. at? What did you read? Tell us. So it's the uh, breaking down to like a. If your focus is on target transition drills, it actually has systematic uh, steps 
where you, so it depends on where my skill set is. Uh, your focus should be this on this sector. So developing the technique as a whole, but breaking down to specific uh, areas rather than, hey, just go rip the gun out, transition fast, move the gun fast. No, 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 it's m way more specific than that. Going each step, step by step, actually making the whole transition skill, for example, very, very refined. Yeah, so, um, well, yeah. well, we'll talk more about this. Joel, as a good jumping off point to explain what exactly is different, mm -hmm. uh, you may not remember it, but you remember I have a little anecdote in there for a question you asked me. Oh, I do, yeah. Right, so let's talk about that, and that'll like help people understand what, what exactly has changed. Yeah. Do you uh, remember this? Yeah, I remember this. I, I remember it very well. Uh, yeah, so Ben's, Ben's teaching a class at my range, and uh, Ben had pinpointed the, the uh, my motivation. I mean, obviously, I like having Ben out for class, but my really my goal was like pay attention to everything Ben does. I want to do what Ben does, teaching people. I want to pay attention, and uh, I think it was a it was a target transitions drill, and like one person the the issues they were making were you looking at it? They were both. Uh, there were was both, two guys doing the same drill that got very different feedback from yes. Me. Point. For making the same errors, more what looked like to be the same errors, I suppose. Right. Two guys, like, yeah, if you look at it from afar, it'd be like, well, why did they get different feedback? That was mm -hmm. really the fundamental question mm -hmm. that you had for me. And this was mm -hmm. years ago. I just mm -hmm. remembered this and it became an anecdote because it was a really intelligent question. It's just like, well, why different things? So now what what we've done here is I, I think everybody can uncritically accept the idea that people with different levels of skill, they get different feedback or they should focus on different things at different times in their shooting. People can accept that. But what we're working on now is, and as Mr. Kim has seen it, because you saw a target transitions drill, um, what, what's going to happen is this, it's going to be systematic step-by-step, step, like at this point in your shooting, you should work on this thing. And it's in detail. So like, for your level of shooting, you're actually going to have a whole set of drills, assessments, corrections appropriate to your level. And then as you move up in level, you get another set that expands. Like the set of drills expands, the set of assessment and correction, the cues that you use to, in your training, all of that expands as you as you go. Is that that's a fair way of putting it, Joel? Absolutely fair. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so, so like so you'd have something on the so you have different. I, so it's based on like your class or what? That yeah. So well, we have four levels, yeah. and it's not entirely based on class. It's a little bit arbitrary. So you kind of train for the level you're supposed to be at. So the lowest level would be the goal. There is to complete a match safely without shooting penalties, which is tougher than it sounds like. No. So okay. So just imagine what you'd need to make that happen. Yeah. So I can, that'd I can be imagine training. where I was there'd at. When I... No time limits, but a lot of training as far as just moving around uh, like uh, safely, uh, like dry firing draws and reloads, getting comfortable with the gun shooting accurately, all of that stuff. All the way up to the highest level would be guys who are super squad level and training to win big titles. Does that make sense? And you fit everything into four different levels all the way Yeah, back. so it'd be... It'd be like complete dumbass level, we'll say. And then the next level up would be get to B class. The next level up would be like MGM. 
And like the next level up from that would be like heavy hitter death stalker training. So that's pretty that's pretty reasonable. Uh, the other thing I like quite a lot is this is a this isn't a live fire or a dry fire book. This is a training book. And I mean, I Ben and I both these classes. I've got people on the range. Even this Monday this week, uh, I've got people on a perfectly good shooting range and have them unload their gun and they're doing dry training because there's some teach them they don't need ammo for. And there's different drills that you need ammo for. So this would be a combination of dry fire reloaded and skills and drills. It's so just does it, training. Does it tell you if it's live fire or dry fire? Yes, of course. Yep. It's not interchangeable. Be like, you can do this live fire and do it dry fire. Uh, I suppose that's true. You'll, uh... Well, each, each uh, I should say, each level... Each training level is going to be segregated into like its own book. So to be like a book within a book, and then inside of each book, it'll have some specific dry fire things to do, and then a set of standard times for the dry fire drills. So like, let's say you're working on something like El Prez, the time limits for that and the assessment cues, they change as you improve. Does that make sense, Matt? Yeah. So you might be looking at the same set of drills, but everything's different. Right, makes sense. So hopefully what this will prevent is lower level shooters chasing unrealistic times for drills that are stupid and counterproductive, and it'll prevent them wasting time uh, working out the nuances in their footwork when they're not in B class yet, if that makes sense. And then, uh, and then for the, the higher level guys, they'll have a, a, a really robust set of drills, assessments, cues, like all of that stuff will be in place and um, sort of updated because there hasn't been an update to that stuff since 2017. Where does this book fit in with all the other books? It's just going to be, it's like skills and drills is fucked. It's done. The dry fire book is fucked and done. This will be replacing both of those. So you'll have this book, match mentality. And breakthrough marksmanship. Yeah. That'll be what I'm pushing for me. Makes sense. Joel, you have more to say, I can tell. That's exciting. Uh, I mean, honestly, there was one night I was working on the book, and it was like 2 a.m., and I was still going, and I'm thinking, like, mm, I have to be up for work by 7, but I, I'll be okay. Like, I'm really excited about this. So, no, I think it'll be really excellent. Like what Kim said, I, without sounding, sounding so cheesy, this is the stuff I wish I had when I started shooting. So, that's well, yeah, pretty exciting. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm personally, what I think the innovation here is, actually doing the work of separating stuff out. Like if, I mean, all of us here have a pretty good idea, I think, without having to think about it too hard, what you should work on at different points in your shooting. But actually doing the work of detailing that out for people, I think that's useful. Yeah. So that is what's coming. Thank you, Mr. Joel. Are you guys ready for the spice? You guys ready for the spice girls? Kim, this is our yes. part to not, not engage. I, I don't like, think I like spice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I oversold these, dude. I'm ready, but I don't think I did. So ready. <laughs> right. So I'm going to tell you guys a tale. I I can't. I cannot tell you if it's true or not. But it opens with. I'm not really sure what I'm trying to achieve by sending this to you. It might be good podcast material. I guess I just want to share my experience and maybe give you a laugh at the same time. All right. So it's, the guy titled the story, The Match from Hell. 
So I'm going to read you just some excerpts from this so you get the picture. I'm not going to name the match, obviously. I don't know if I, I don't know if any of this is true, but I suspect there's a lot of truth to it. Okay, so they arrived at the match. There's high winds. They they started on a stage that has a uh, a steel target that that knocks over into a paper target. You've seen one of those with the the target stand affixed to the popper. Does that sound right? Like a flip up target or something. Um. After an hour, we only have one shooter with a score because of the that's wind. A, that's a very good start. Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> it's clear there's no way we're going to be able to complete the stage. <laughs> the wind keeps ripping the the the, the knock-up paper uh, target or blowing poppers over. Forward-falling poppers won't stay up, and backward-falling poppers have to be driven down. Artists <laughs> try to adjust the steel, and we begin getting several calibration calls in a row. Finally, after an hour and 20 minutes... The, the RM admits it's not going to happen and moves us to the next stage. As we walk down to that stage, we see that on another two other stages, they're having problems and have been abandoned completely already. <laughs> um, the other bays, I'm not going to even number the bays because I really don't want to identify this match. So I'm trying to read through this without giving any, giving anything away. Uh, these other, this other section of bays are in a more sheltered area of the range and they're not having as many reshoot issues. Uh, first few stages proceed normally. Don't get me wrong, conditions are miserable. Everything is getting blasted with sand. Several shooters are having malfunctions. Targets are flopping five or six inches side to side, but we're able to shoot. <laughs> okay. Then comes this next stage. After the stage brief, my buddies and I begin to walk the stage. Immediately, all four of us notice that the stage plan we rehearsed from the previous day that no longer works. A target's been rotated 40 degrees, making it visible from a new position, but not from the position we originally intended. This has a significant impact on the stage. Now we plan to eliminate a standing reload completely. Wish I could say that I have enough competitive uh, integrity to, to leave there on the spot, but unfortunately I continued. We had no way to prove the target had been moved, and it was clear their RM was not going to drop a fourth stage from this match. So they've already lost three stages, apparently. We wrap up these stages, say goodbye to our squad mates, load up the truck to head home. The RM says goodbye, thanks for the match. He then informs me, much to my surprise, that two of these stages are now back into the match. Keep in mind the wind is still blowing every bit as hard as it was in the morning. He also explicitly tells me that a third stage is out of the match. This is an important detail for later, so we'll save that. By now, roughly half our squad has left the match after being told that three of these stages are, are not going to be used. Uh, what's left of our squad walks over to a stage to find uh, three squads backed up and waiting to shoot. Oh, They're having issues with constant reshoots, so we decide to go take a look at a different stage, see if that one's running smoothly. We go to that stage and find no one shooting there, so we run through that one. In the end, we had 13 reshoots on that stage. With, that's half their squad, 13 reshoots on that one stage. That's the stage they started on now, because I'm, I'm following the stage numbers, which I'm not going to tell you guys. And remember... That's with only seven people left in our squad. We had to return to another stage just to complete the match, uh, just out of spite at this point. As we wait for the last squad to finish up, we can see a large number of people beginning to gather near uh, uh, the final stage, the one, the other one that's been chucked. Arm comes over for another calibration call, asking what's going on. He informs me that that stage is back in the match. He admits that he explicitly told me that that stage had been removed, but it didn't matter. It's back in the match now. My concern to him was that people had left the match, thinking they'd completed all the stages. He then began to lecture me on how the people that had already left didn't care enough to stay and help break down the stages. They had no right to complain that a stage got reinstated. I had no idea how to respond. 
Matt, I love the look on your face. Would you like to interject? Do you believe this story so far? Absolutely, I can believe this. And <laughs> that's funny is I find this totally incredible just reading no, it. No, like, dude, this 100% happened. 100% happened. <laughs> that's, that's I would point. say I hope it happened outside the U.S., but there's it, no, no chances this in the no. U.S., but yeah. this is the yeah. U.S. deal. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're three <laughs> thrown out. Yeah, so we have three of eight are gone, but now, now they're all back in apparently. Now they're all back in after half the match left. Uh, That's an easy way to get your placement higher. We yeah. finished the stage, packed up, and had a good laugh about it on the way home. Hope you enjoyed the story. I'm not mad about the weather or even the competitor, competitive integrity that was lost due to it. I'm just disappointed in the RM and his decision-making throughout the match. Yeah, no shit. I find how attached most, most RMs and MDs are to their stages to the point that they will fight to the death to keep a stage in the match regardless of what it costs. But last, I just want to say my hat goes off to the ROs who had to work through that shit. Just as an example of how bad it was, three of our four paster guns stopped working due to the weather conditions. I guess my question would be, if, if an MD verbally eliminates the stage from a match, can they reinstate the stage at a later point? And if so, is it morally right to do so? Now, guys, emailing me to ask about moral advice, not that smart, but um, that's okay. So, Matt, what do you think? So I think that I don't know if there's a rule about throwing a stage out then bringing it back and if it was just verbal or not. I don't know. Like, <laughs> really through the rule book, like don't even want to like look that up for information purposes. On but the face of it, it's totally unfair. I don't even I would not care. You, yeah. if you could, and I don't I think we're at a post rules era in USPSA where that doesn't really matter anymore because if the rules say X, they can just be altered to say Y or we can just pretend they say X if it's the right. It doesn't matter. I don't evergreen think. rule book. It's evergreen, baby. So, um, uh, moral standpoint, it's uh, pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah, this is obviously shitty. It's obviously it's obviously not cool. I hope I don't shoot at this match ever. Ugh. Not a good situation. So, Mr. Keith, got anything to add? Does it surprise you? No, I I think what should have happened was yes, the stage is thrown out. I think it was a good decision. But then once it's thrown out, uh, of course, if there's eight stages and three stages thrown out, people are gonna stack up. So you can make the thrown out stages like a no score voluntary shooting stage. So if you wanna you know use your own ammo, no score, shoot it for fun while waiting. I think that's that's a good idea. But bringing it back is just it's just messing up the score by bringing it back, and there's no longer uh, right score, I should say. Yeah, no, that's right. There's there, yeah. there's no there's no way to uh, to so, fix that. I know you're not gonna tell it, but like this match was big enough, people came in the day before and looked at stages. So I assume this is more than a level one. Yeah, of course. More than a level one match. Yeah, your assumption uh, is correct, sir. It has a range um, master. Is it an actual range master, like in the program and all that, or? I can't confirm that, but you know, again, not really sure that that matters. Yeah, it doesn't probably. Uh, man, I don't know. This would be. I mean, COVID's caused some crazy things. Maybe they need to cause and have them to shoot, so they had to get had to get eight stages. So that's. Did they have water on the base? I guess that's a more. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> uh, what's it's uh, it's amazing to me how many people put up with this stuff too. They'll like go back to the match again. It's like <laughs> doesn't even make sense. Is that is that bad or no? Got to vote with your feet, man. It's not bad. Like, yeah, it's bad. This, like, this is a shit show. Like, this should have. Try again next year. Yeah, try again. Try again next year. Be like, thanks for coming out. We appreciate it. Like, you guys can shoot through what you have, but we're not even a like. Dude, if 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 it was me, if it was me saying to the range master, like, yeah, half our squad already left because you told them the stages were tossed, and then he starts talking to me about teardown, it'd be like, yeah, whatever. Like, it'd be like the most intense GFY that I could give that guy. It would just be like, there's no point talking to this person. What an idiot. (laughs) If that's all true, which I would not be shocked. All right. Ben, I really appreciate you getting into the uncomfortable stuff in PSAD, like you did in episode 123, which I have no recollection of what we talked about, but I'm sure it was good. <laughs> Somebody needs to be talking about it, so we're aware of what the leadership is doing in our, to our sports, since they don't really seem interested in keeping us in the loop themselves. For shame. <laughs> I can't believe this guy's saying these things. I think you guys should cover that subject every once in a while, even if Joel has to take the episode off for his own health and well-being. <laughs> I think most people agree that the board of directors, VOD, has shifted priority away from maintaining a competitive sport in favor of increasing participation numbers. Yes, I think most people have accepted the argument that we have quite eloquently laid out here. Yes. This has had the effect of watering down divisions, producing poor quality national matches, moving production nationals to the beginning of the 2021 season, a boost the number of people shooting multiple nationals, and overall declining competitive equity. What can we as competitors or members do to shift focus back to managing a good sport? I personally emailed my AD a few weeks ago and have received no response. Well, welcome to the club, dude. But I plan to continue trying to communicate that way. Okay, well, that just means you're a fucking slow learner. Stop emailing your AD. Like, if, unless they you actually know them and they talk to you, like, let, stop emailing them. That's like, these guys don't, they, people don't want to learn. I think I emailed my AD like once or twice. And then I, then I stopped emailing my AD because it's not a productive use of anyone's time. Um, okay, so what can we do, guys? What can we do? Make a difference. So we can talk about it like we do, except for yeah. goal. Except for Joel. I think we can put people in the positions that actually do what we want is the biggest thing. Yeah. So running for area director, maybe if that's not in the cards, like getting someone that would do these things in the area director positions. And there's obviously eight of them. So two come around every year. So in four years, we could have a total changeover of the current board. If you're not happy with your person, like, yeah, emails, that stuff gets ignored. Like, (laughs) no one emails anymore. No. (laughs) You got to, like, text them or something. Yes, get their phone number and text them. Yes. That will be way way better. They'd probably answer it, at least. I highly doubt that. I don't know. Uh. I don't know what else. Talk about it. Bring it to light. Like nothing. I well, I think there's two ways of looking at it. There's the top-down way that you're talking about, which is like politically organizing and replacing people, whatever. I mean, 
that's one idea. But I think that like, let's talk about the bottom up ways. Like what can you actually do? Oh, easy. So uh, the biggest thing is affect your local match. Like don't let the local politics, like teach people how to and like have integrity when they're shooting. So like if you're shooting a local match and some you're like your best local shooter runs around and says that's a double on every target he has an alpha mic on, like yeah. Max that shit down. There. Yeah. And that like, stuff breeds and like grows yeah. and festers and it's considered common to do that if it happens all the time at local matches. Then they go to bigger matches, they continue to do it. The it just gets worse, and then expectations are that that's normal, and the ROs get like bullied and stuff like that. That, that happens. Like I've, just a while that we've we've slacked off talking about you and me. I mean, we used to be way harder on on competitors that were being dicks. Yeah, like we used to be way harder on that. Like for whatever reason, it was. It's not just us. Like the culture's like really softened up. So it's like. When did it? When was it not a pussy move? Overlay on everything. That is a pussy move. If you do that, I don't want to squad with you. I don't want to be around you. I don't like you. On a personal level, being honest, I deeply dislike that stuff. Deeply. So don't do that. Like if you're gonna protest every call, like we can't sit here and bitch that the ROs don't take us seriously and don't listen and are un totally unreasonable when there's a lot of competitors that are totally unreasonable and they're dickheads and they're just trying to get what they can get. Like it is totally, it's gotta be unacceptable going both directions. So that is one thing you can do is you can start bullying people on your squad. I'm not being entirely serious by the way, for people who are taking this seriously, but yeah, just the culture of it being okay to ask for shit that you know you didn't earn, you know it. That's totally dishonest. It's totally fucked up. And it shouldn't be going on. And like in like watching that run rampant has, has not been too good. So that's that's you know, from the bottom up, like be, being a better competitor and steering your club match into a good direction where it's like nice stages and if there's an issue, there's like a reasonable discussion and like it gets resolved in a way that's that works for everybody. It's not like an a-hole match director being an a-hole, and it's not dickhead competitors like running roughshod over weak match directors. We don't, I, we don't want that. Like we want a, we want a good situation for everybody. Well, Joel, you're suspicious of quiet. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying hundred percent. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean like your local match is going to be the culture that you set. And like what Matt's saying, those people, like that crap would not fly at my club. Like well, it just like, flat out wouldn't like calling for doubles, for doubles and stuff. Like that doesn't no. Like we would just like yeah, that's not a double. Like we feel like runs it more straight up than I think probably most clubs. Like you don't let pre-scoring happen. Like one guy goes down the left side and targets and just calls out the scores afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like you nope. have the RO and the scorekeeper go around and score every single target just like a major match. Our club match is ran the same like way as our section like match. It, like yeah, match. there's yeah. like no there's no good old boy stuff. No, like there's like you use a safe area. Like I don't care who you are, you're not gonna like ungun in the trunk of your car or some garbage. It's like, yeah, we our our club match is like a section match, and that's just the expectation. I mean, if you if like Hopkins showed up at our club and started asking for doubles, everybody would be looking at him weird. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like that's yeah. not what we do here. So I mean, and that's that took a while to do, and that as a group, we've all 
built that culture. Yeah. You know, like at my club. And let's talk about shifting the focus back to managing a good sport. Like if you like if there's certain things you want from the organization, like if that you want from matches, you should demand those things in a nice way and you should shut up about other stuff. Like I don't go around on Facebook complaining about the prize tables at these matches because I don't give a fuck about that and I won't pretend to. Like I do not care. Like I'm not gonna like heap praise on every match I attend and talk about how great it was, even if it was just a match. Like that is counterproductive. Like you're just blowing people for no reason. Like again, that's polite and nice, and I get that that people are being nice and being polite. But they take it to the point of like complimenting all aspects of a match, even when it's done nothing exceptional or even noteworthy. It's just they've successfully put on a match and that's good. But like you don't want to like <laughs> you don't want to like start complaining about dumb shit like the prize table when at, at the at the core, you don't really care about that. But like us here, like we don't care about that stuff. So we don't talk about it. Like I'm not going to assess the match in that way. I also don't care about lunch. Matt brings up lunch at the matches. I don't give a shit about that. I don't care what they serve. I bring up water. You do bring up the water, and that's a little more reasonable, but I still I bring my own, so this is not an issue. If you build good stages, I'll bring my own water. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care about that stuff, but that's just me. We need Mr. Kim. You've been yes. strange to sound as well. So my... What I want to say about this is uh, people, I think it is very important to be educated. Uh, even if you are like doing it as a hobby, you, you're not really looking into being a match director or anything like that. But still being educated, I think, is extremely helpful for the sport. Uh, so being educated, meaning like the rules, too. Uh, I, I took the RO class and I'm certified RO. And I think that was actually a good, not just for being a better competitor too, but understanding the right rules is actually a very good idea. But another thing is like listening to these podcasts is definitely one way to educate uh, the politics side, the competitive side, many different things. So I think, uh, of course, you want to have a little bit of discernment which source you pick to get yourself educated. But I think it is very important people to educate. So. Like going back to episode what two eighteen to thirteen something like that is going to be a definitely good idea too. Just by understanding, educating yourself, and have more people have educated people or uh, newly updated people, they'll just ha basically have better decision when it comes to election, when it comes to un uh, un uh, unfair calls from major matches, things like that. Yeah. That's very helpful. Getting trained as a range officer and then actually working as a range officer, especially at your club, that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. That's that's good to do. Because when you have the night not right knowledge and wisdom to say, hey, this is not good thing. Hey, you're you're not even on deck. You're in like eighth shooter. Uh, there's <laughs> there should be you know if you're not on deck, you shouldn't be in the you know visualization mode in the stage bothering other shooters. Something like etiquette getting the right knowledge and right culture to other shooters that you are owe them. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, we, did this podcast deliver for, for you in terms of spice in this map? Are you happy? It's good. It was really good, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're happy. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Listeners, if you have a question, 
you'd like the answer to, go to bensteger.com. Send us your question. If it's spicy, just tag it, not for Joel. And, uh, you know, we'll know. That's how yeah, we know. Another bang-up podcast. Great work.